Because I passed one of those laws. I passed one of those laws in Nebraska that was that that protects children under the age of 18 from receiving gender affirming care and hormones. Because I've seen. And you're proud my, of that. Yes, I am very proud I of am that. I'm so ashamed because, of you. Because I have friends who had their first experience the with affirming care. Can you? Can I finish? But can I finish? We're sitting here with. Can I finish? Let him finish. Because we both have. We can all talk. Hey everybody, I'm Brad Palumbo, and welcome back to Damage Control, my podcast where we are reclaiming the LGBT community from the insane leftists who've taken it over. My guest today is Clarkson Larson, a friend of the show and somebody who just participated in a Jubilee debate featuring liberal gays versus conservative gays. We're going to do a special edition of this podcast where we react to highlights from this debate, which got pretty wild at times. If you're new here, consider subscribing, hit that like button, comment, let me know what you think as you go, yada, 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 and let's jump into it. Clarkson, welcome back to Damage Control. I'm happy to be here. I miss you guys. Yeah, you are also my, I was just telling you, my first three-peat guest, so that is a unique and distinct honor. But I had to have you back because... Uh, you're famous now, and you're still gracing <laughs> us with your presence because you just did another Jubilee debate. For folks that don't know, it's like this huge YouTube channel, and they do these really interesting political conversations and debates. And it, what was it? Gays, uh, liberals versus conservative gays. Yes. Yeah. And you it just was. Knew it was going to be dramatic. Oh, literally! I was like studying before I did this, and every single talking point that I studied. The other side said I was just like it, it was the most predictable debate there was <laughs> well and it's really interesting because take us behind the scenes of this before we get into it and folks it, it got catty it got dramatic it's going viral it has over a million views take us like behind the scenes as much as you can at least how how long were you there how much did you tape and how different was the final product compared to how you felt when you left yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm limited because uh, there's some stuff that I can't I can't talk about. But essentially, we filmed for about four hours. Um, it, w- it was pretty long, but it went by really fast. We had a break in between. When you first get there, you're not allowed to speak to any of the other like guests that you're debating, which is granted because you know you're about to debate them. You don't want to create friendships with them before. Luckily for me, I already knew two people on my side of the panel, so we were all just like kind of kikiing, looking at each other. Um, but Honestly, every time, I mean, this is my third time on Jubilee and every time that I've gone on it, I have never, you know, been at the receiving end of bad editing. I think that when they edit, they do a really good job, despite being a pretty liberal company of representing the views that I try to say. Um, So I'm never going to say anything bad about Jubilee, even though, you know, when they email me, they've got the they thems in their uh, their, uh, email signature. Uh, but I, I'm, n- I'm never going to say anything bad about the company because I, I think that they do a really good job at showcasing both sides. And that's what the show's about. And that's what I think America needs more of, right? Is right. actually people who are willing to host these debates and host these conversations. And I honestly found some portions of the debate, some portions just became like, you know, squabbling and it kind of devolved. But I found some portions really interesting so I want to roll the first clip, and guys, there's going to be a lot of clips from this. It's a long debate, but we're just going to look at the highlights. This one is where you guys discuss the question of whether pride is still necessary. Pride is still necessary. 
Yeah, I think pride's necessary, but we need a PR revamp. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we need a rebrand. Uh, I take a lot of issues with what I see at pride parades now, uh, just because, you know, as we've discussed previously, I think that it, it's a little bit over-sexualized. We're celebrating, essentially, sex rather than love, and we have people running around riding bikes with their balls out in front of kids. And for me... Where are you seeing this? Yeah, what I'm pride are you going to? Um, New York City and Seattle, both of those had naked people walking the streets. San walking San Francisco. Walking. One of them was on a bike. I saw the video of him on a bike. I didn't want to I see would it never have my balls out on a bike. That sounds dangerous. Yeah, well, no, me either. It's right. dangerous. Me either, but, but it it's, a, it's the fact exists. that it is allowed because we have this shield of it's pride, don't mess with gay people because of our history, which is, is granted. But, but people are afraid to look at our culture and say, that's not acceptable. Because if straight people were walking around doing that, it would be a totally different discussion. I don't think that's the majority of the issue, though. I mean, the reality is that being visible, period, is vital. Absolutely. We, are, we, we can be none of us will, being sexual. None of us will be alive to see the day when heterosexual people and homosexual people have equal agency in what's allowed and what's not allowed in the public space. Uh, me personally, I actually think Pride is uh, very necessary. I love it. I wouldn't say Pride parades. I right. feel like um, you guys are yeah. leaning towards like the parades itself. Mm -hmm. Pride is like liberation, you know. Just proud of I, who you are. And yes, just and just, yourself. yeah, accepting yourself mm -hmm. and having the people around you in your circle really accept you. It really tells the future generation, like not only is it okay, but look how far we've come. Yeah. At 2011, you know, the don't ask, don't tell policy was abolished. I'm in the military and had that not been abolished, I would not be able to be, you know, a minority be openly gay and still be able to serve my country. Yeah, and I want to just say thank you for your service oh, before you. I move on. And and that's a, a prime example of the pride that I would love to attend, is someone who highlights service members, gay service members, gay CEOs, people who are successful, who are contributing to society. Celebrate who you are, love who you are, but the pride is no longer about being overly promiscuous because we're not allowed to. We don't need to overcorrect to the point that we start to get backlash. We need to correct our PR. But I still think we're looking at a small group of the people that are at pride. But the small said, groups, like, so you but saw, they speak the loudest. No, but they don't always. You said you saw two people naked. Like from no, those two separate instances of groups of people who were naked with their butts out. Exactly. Right, exactly. Around the world. But and like that you were gets saying, highlighted. Looking at specific things with a level of shame and then have to look at like where are we shameful within ourselves and why is that something that we should be ashamed of in general like why is nudity shameful in general so i thought this was really interesting because it was kind of open to how you interpret it like if you interpret it as to pride parades i think a lot of people think those are over the top and counterproductive now um but right. obviously there's still something to be said or at least in my opinion for being proud of of who you are and what obstacles you've overcome I've always said, like, there's people are like, some people dismiss the idea of gay pride totally. I don't, in the sense that I don't think being gay in and of itself is anything to be proud of. But even in 2023, for most of us, we've had to overcome, you know, some degree of adversity or discomfort or backlash to be comfortable living as our true selves. And so when I say, like, pride, that's kind of what I mean, like, to be proud to have come through and lived and become an authentic version of myself, even though it wasn't easy sometimes because of those things, it's not that I'm literally proud of being gay. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I interpreted this question as pride parades, as you can see in the clip. Um, but I mean, just as a person, I think a healthy amount of pride is okay. Um, whether it's from a struggle or if it's simply from being gay, I think that pride having too much of it, um, it can, can really be your own downfall. So I'm not somebody who sits here and is like, everybody should be prideful over the things they've overcome. Because uh, anytime I've become prideful in my life, I end up causing more damage than good. So I try to maintain a nice balance of being prideful. But I really interpreted this question more as pride parades. Um, 
So, I mean, I guess maybe they meant it the other way, but... Yeah, and then there is some debate about, like, are the pride parades over-sexualized or not? I think it definitely depends where you are, but I, I have seen many, many examples and instances of it. I've also seen the pride parades become very politicized. They'll have, like, gun control and abortion posters and a bunch of stuff that should be irrelevant. So I don't feel comfortable. If anything, I'd feel uncomfortable. I'd be afraid somebody would recognize and harass me. Um, I don't feel ident like I uh, uh, think there's much use for the pride parades at this point. I, I think they were, I'm sure, once very important, but... Yeah, no, I mean, and that's why when I set forward, I think that there could be use for it because I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, everybody is okay with gay people. But I think, again, like I said, we need a PR like revamp. We need a rebrand. Because we do have people running around with their genitals out. We do have people acting a complete fool at pride mm -hmm. parades, despite <laughs> the other side of the panel trying to gaslight me as if they don't see it, which everybody knows. And you can even look at the comment section. The people that are liberal know that pride parades are excessive. So, I mean, I don't see pride, a pride parade, maybe not a month, being a problem. I just think the behavior in and of itself is the problem. Yeah, and what is celebrated? Like, I don't want to see different kinks celebrated at Pride. It shouldn't right. be. It shouldn't have anything to do with it. I think there should be, like you said, maybe celebrate like gay leaders in the community who have built schools or built businesses or like doing something good. Don't right. please. I, no one needs to see your pup and master costumes <laughs> down walking. If you want, like, I really. I have become more open-minded to this stuff over the years, not for me personally, but more live and let live. I was going to say, what, what you got going on, Brad? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, but I, I'm like, if you want to do that, knock yourself out. But it just doesn't need to be conflated with our community and it doesn't need to be really flouted publicly. Like, I feel like the things they choose to have pride about are increasingly misplaced. Well, it's everything that you have no control over. And how do you find pride in something that you have done nothing to attain? That's what I don't get. It's like, I would love to go to a pride parade with gay people who just so happen to be gay, but their decisions have led to the success of other people. Um, it, it, essentially, it's, it's a merit-based conversation. Anything at pride parades that's celebrated has nothing to do with merit. And that's frustrating for me because you don't respect somebody who just so happens to be gay or just so happens to be like in defeat or something. Like you, you have no control over that. So why are we celebrating something you have no control over? That's like celebrating the fact that I have blue eyes. Some people really do have no control over their feet fetish because they can't even control themselves <laughs> over it. Oh, have God. you ever been offered money for feet pics? No, but I do it. So here's the thing. And it's I my feet. I think I've confessed this before. I mean, most even semi-attractive, semi-young gay men have had strange old men DM them and offer that to like give them money or whatever. I know women get these kind of DMs all the time. Like, especially when we are on the dating apps, they'll DM you and they'll be like, are you looking for generous? Which means is code for, are you a... Sex a prostitute? Worker. Yeah, a prostitute. <laughs> um, and I would never do that, but I will admit, I have a couple times asked, like, well, how much are you offering? <laughs> Just because I'm curious. Like, I want to know, how much am I worth to you? Like... I would do it. Not the sex part, but the feet part. Like, that's the... I mean, I would charge probably, like, a, 
an insurmount, I don't know how to pronounce that word. I would charge a lot, okay? But if it's a picture of my feet, like, people get that for free if I ever wear flip-flops, which I don't because I think they're disgusting. But if I ever did, it's I'm giving it away for free anyways. <laughs> yeah, and I laugh at this because um, you know you've made it big when you have a profile on, like, the celebritytfeet.com or whatever those weird websites are. So the... You, I'm not big enough to have a profile on this, but I have a few friends who are, and you can search yourself, and there are websites that collect on influencers and YouTubers, collect their feet pics, like zoomed in from their Instagram or whatever, and aggregate them all. So you can go look up your favorite TV host or big YouTube star. They don't have it for like smaller YouTubers like myself or whatever. Yeah, at least not yet. I'm not famous enough yet. But that's my one of my life goals is to be famous enough that my feet pics are somehow discovered and archived in these websites. I mean, I have a really big, big toe, which is why I think I was good at gymnastics because it helps with balance. So I don't know how attractive my feet are. So if anybody listening has a foot fetish, look at one of my pictures and tell me if you like my big toe. But they probably, the it. thing is, they probably like, <laughs> some people probably like weird, oh my God, we're in like a five minute detour about foot fetishes, but... <laughs> Some people probably like I have really huge ugly feet, 14s. But there's probably oh, a market for that. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh god. All right. Well, we're going to get back to the jubilee debate here. <laughs> um one of the more contentious moments came when this question that ha has you know, it's not a new question. It's been debated a lot is should the LGB be separate from the TQI+. And I thought it was very interesting that they asked the TQI plus rather than separate from the T, because I think mm -hmm. I'm a, a hell yes on separate from the plus and all the insane stuff. And then I have mixed feelings about the T and I've discussed it. Um, but I want to roll this clip of what came up in that debate. The LGB should be separated from the TQIA plus. Saying they should be separated is not saying that one is, you know, less important. Yeah, I agree. So yeah. I do want to start with that. But I do think that the LGB is very specific, rooted in science. It's very clear as day. Um, you have lesbian, gay, and bi. Main difference between male and female, we all know what that is. The reason why I stepped forward with hesitation was because I think that there are such lived differences and experiences that we experience. Although collectively, I think that we all know the collective experience of being a sexual deviant. There just is a difference in lived experience that I think is is important to talk about and acknowledge, and that's my grounds for agreeing with perhaps a separation. My, mine is very different. Uh, to be clear, the science is very solid on uh, identities other than gender assigned at birth being valid. Science is very clear, robust. There is no question that it's legit. We, as cisgender people, do a really bad job of standing up for people who aren't cisgender. I call out the fact that cisgender queer people are treated differently than non-cisgender queer people, and until we do better, we don't deserve to have the letters be together. Much better grounds. I, I, so, I mean, I, I kind of, I agree with what you're saying, but I think in general, this conversation can become very hostile because it, it seems like, you know, I. I'm like, oh, I don't want you to be a part, like, I don't want you to be my friend, I don't want, I don't want to be, be with you, be next to you, be seen with you, and that's not the case. One is an identity, and one is a sexuality. And that's just the simple dif difference between the two. Eventually, as both groups are fighting for their own personal interests, those are going to not 
work cohesively. So one is going to be quieter and one is going to get taken advantage of, et cetera. And it's not that we can't support the TQ+. Right. I just think that they're two vastly different things. I think it would be an incredible disservice to the transgender community who gave us a lot of the beginning for us to fight for our rights, a separation from them, now that we have our rights. That's just so privileged of us. Like Marsha P. Johnson threw that first brick at Stonewall, and because of her- She didn't throw the first brick. And or she, the she second, got there, she the got there at 2 a.m., first of all. And second of all, Marsha P. Johnson was also a gay man, so when she was fighting for those rights, she was fighting for gay rights because she was gay. Was she a I gay totally man because agree. of the time that it was? She didn't, she didn't know, transition she until gay. long she after Stormwall right. actually happened. Yeah, but that's neither here nor I there. I just think it's ironic that Miss Denham over there, you know, in the jean jacket, wants to talk about misinformation on his TikTok and how essentially everybody on the conservative side was parroting misinformation the entire time to get their point across. Yet that's a prime example of him blatantly misrepresenting Marsha P. Johnson's story to further his point. I just, it, it's... I knew people were going to bring up Marsha P. Johnson the night before. I literally had a pink flashcard with Marsha's name on it, with her story, what time she got at Stonewall, and everything that I just mentioned. Because it, it's, I hate to say it, but a lot of times with the LGBTQ, since we're all in the same alphabet, now that the G, B, and the L have their rights, the T is trying to use gay history to further their own agenda. And this was a prime example of that. And then they don't want gays to push back on it, so they frame this narrative that, like, you only have gay rights because of trans women of color. But it's a very ahistorical narrative. Stonewall Inn, back then, would not have been a very hospitable place to trans women or even maybe people of color, right? It was a white, gay place. Very white, very gay. Um, and Marsha P. Johnson did not, was a drag queen. Which is not, right. they always tell us, is not the same thing as trans, and they are correct, right? But mm -hmm. a, Marsha B. Johnson did not identify as trans at that time. Marsha B. Johnson was not there when it started. But there's this whole, like, huge myth about Stonewall that's super pervasive. But it's so interesting because, to me, it's, I mean, it's not even that relevant. Obviously, like, facts matter. But it seems like just a way to try to silence you. Like... You, how dare you try to argue these things are different when you owe your rights to trans women of color? It's not right. even an argument. And it, there's so much wrong with it. I mean, first of all, trans people back then are not, we're not fighting for the same things trans people today are fighting for. Nobody was sitting here saying, no transsexuals were back, back then saying, oh, I am a woman. That's not what was happening. They weren't trying to erase gender. So first of all, that's completely irrelevant. Second of all, even if it was the case, if we operate under the assumption that there is a whole brigade of today's trans people that went back in time and fought for our rights, when you fight for somebody else's rights, when you help somebody else, it's not a nice thing to do if you're expecting something in return. You don't get to hold people's rights over their head so they can agree with you. So even if they were doing that, I still can't get down with the, oh, well, we helped you, so sit down and shut up. That's not help. <laughs> that's yeah, a that's hostage a situation. Point. Like, no. Even, but, if, even if it was true that we owed it all to Marsha P or whatever, it still wouldn't mean that, like, there's no debate about whether these things belong together. And I think the, the strongest argument I've heard that they do is essentially that being gay or being trans are different forms of violating society's gender and like gender expectations like boys are supposed to marry girls boys are supposed to do this not that and 
I guess, but I still think sexual I don't think so. attraction are different than identity. Well, I think that the whole concept behind today's transgenderism reinforces society's gender stereotypes rather than goes against it. Because it, it, it would be different if they were saying, I am a man who likes to wear dresses, but they're not saying that anymore. So they're not necessarily going against society. They're now falling back into the binary that gay people had to escape from. I was a young kid who wore dresses all the time. Never did I say I was a woman. Never did I believe I was one because I think that everybody should be able to express themselves, whether they like pink or blue. But if now you like blue, it's a whole different story. You might be trans, so now you have to fall back in line and call yourself a woman. So I wouldn't say that they're going against society. Well, and norms. it's also because they've detached it from gender dysphoria, which is a real right. medical experience. Uh, but now they say that has nothing to do with trans. It may or may not be there. And also like non-binary, they say is trans. And non-binary, I think 100% reinforces the stereotypes. It's, I'm non-binary because I don't identify with makeup and long hair or sports and cowboy boots. I mean, they don't literally say that, but that's actually the logical implications of mm -hmm. what they're saying. Um, so I see that. I just think they are distinct. I don't actually think there's much in common to the experience. I also, though, I, I know people like to debate this point. I think it's something of a moot point. Like I kind of think the ship has sailed and that LGBT is here to stay in the terms of the cultural and political discussion. I can't real realistically speaking, even though I think I, they probably should be separate in the, in the, you know, theoretical, I can't really see us reversing that. Well, yeah, because in order to do that, we would need to have those very, very leftist nonprofits be on board with it. And that, that will never happen because they control pretty much all of the acronyms. But I, I do want to preface all of my points when I talk about like transgenderism. I'm never referring to people with gender dysphoria. I have the utmost respect for people who experience that. But in today's society, that's not even a qualifier to be transgender anymore. So when I'm talking about like people who are, you know, when I just talk about anything trans, I'm never referring to people who actually have a GD diagnosis. I'm referring to the people who are non-binary because they want to be unique and have no actual personality. <laughs> um, <yeah>. Anyways. <laughs> I, I think that's what I mean when I say get the the Q plus the hell away from me. It's like basically everything after the T, the T has is has a, is complicated. Everything after the T is fake. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yep. 100%. <laughs> Nothing else to add. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to go to this next Jubilee clip, which was very interesting because something a lot of, you know, people in within this community of LGBT people disagree on is the role for gender affirming care or, you know, some people would call it mutilating surgeries or life altering medical treatments, whatever your preferred term is for kids. I think almost everyone in the LGBT community would agree that adults should be free to do whatever they want with their bodies if mm -hmm. they're not hurting anyone else. But there is a real debate going on over whether kids should be allowed to transition. And I'm someone who I think, you know, if you have a kid with really persistent gender dysphoria, maybe they should socially transition, but I don't think they can consent to the life altering implications of a double mastectomy, of being on hormones and puberty blockers so early that you never sexually develop and are able to reproduce or experience, you know, adult experiences. And so I have a lot of compassion for those kids and those families that are 
often emotionally blackmailed about the bad things that might happen if the kids don't get the, these treatments. Um, also, these treatments are uh, very, it's, it's very funny. They're claiming it's misinformation to say these, these treatments are experimental. Puberty blockers for gender dysphoria are off-label. They're literally not approved for that purpose. Now, things are prescribed to off-label fairly regularly. It's not totally unheard of, but it is still a new thing. Other countries are walking back these treatments because the data is very weak. And it was interesting to hear them cite some statistics about desisters or whatever. There's not good data on any of that because it doesn't apply to the current cohort. They either look at adults or they look at people who were consistent in gender dysphoria their whole childhood and then transitioned. But what we have now is all these 13, 14, 15-year-olds suddenly who never experienced gender dysphoria, suddenly they're trans. And, you know, mm -hmm. medicalizing them is something we don't have data on. We do not have good studies on. And yet, so every time you hear them say, all the studies show it's safe and effective, it's an NPC line. It's a complete mm -hmm. parroted talking point. It, but the it was very interesting. One of the other guests on the Jubilee program talked about how he had been involved in passing a law to limit the treatment to age of 18. And that was controversial, but it was very interesting to me how they immediately just attacked him and didn't actually debate the idea. Let's roll this clip. I passed one of those laws. I passed one of those laws in Nebraska that was that that protects children under the age of eighteen from receiving gender affirming care and hormones because I've seen. And you're proud my, of that. Yes, I am very proud I of am that. I'm so ashamed because, of you because I have friends who had their first experience the with affirming care. Can you can I finish? But can I finish? We're sitting here with. Can I finish? I'm sure a lot of us disagree. But let him let him finish because we both have. We can all talk, but like let's let. Because when finish. I passed this yeah. legislation that you say targets LGBT people, I sat next to a young girl who her first experience with this type of care was a double mastectomy at 15. She's now 19, doesn't and know if she'll be able to. It's, it's actually not. very common. Because how common? I want a number. How Can common? I finish? How common? Can I this finish, is, you, you passed You're the law. You're asking me a question in the middle of my statement. You passed a law. You, you passed, passed a law that affects so many kids from feeling like themselves. Yes, I did. Transgender kids. I'm proud kids. of my law. Oh I, that, that, that's unfortunate, and I'm ashamed. If of that's you what it's going to take to get you to stop, so I can finish my my thought, I appreciate that. All right, you know so, what? I'm going to shut up until you finish, but I would really like to say something when you're done. Sure. The person that I testified with, who their experience was the a double mastectomy. Let him finish. 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 People talk. Okay, that one person was one person in Nebraska, but I know a plethora of what other people. Hold on, let him finish. Let I finish. know a plethora of other people in other states the all over this country. The generalizations are so easy. I know a plethora of people all okay. over the country. Can we not do this? Like, what is the, what is, okay. what is the, can we let him talk? You're going to get time yeah. to talk. I don't it's appreciate okay. this. I know, I'm serious you, too, but let's but finish, let him finish. I, he's pissed off more than you, and he's quiet. Just let him, you're going to get your point out. Just let him I'm good. Thank you. So what was that moment like? Okay, so this topic to me is, like you said, very nuanced. I think we take a similar position um, because there are kids who have persistent gender dysphoria and it's, it's debilitating for them. I think a social transition is fine. Anything that is not permanent is fine. And I, and I don't want a lot of this legislation to start, you know, impeding on that process. There are other treatments for these kids that are not permanent. However, I think it's disingenuous to sit here and say that a double mastectomy for a 15-year-old is just completely normal and the experts agree. Um, but once they started yelling 
I, I know Mario personally. I knew he was able to take it and he was going to be able to hold his own. But I just got extremely frustrated because there was one side who was saying, nope, this is safe and effective. There is nothing to worry about. It's all fine. You're a terrible person for not supporting this. But they are also the same side that will sit here and say that Big Pharma is predatory. And I'm like, how are you guys not even going to realize how much money there is to be made in this gender-affirming care per child Yet you're also going to be on the same side that that demonizes big pharma. I just it, it was like a no nuance discussion at that point that I just had to interject and be like, look, y'all, like this is completely unproductive. You guys are literally acting insane. But props to Mario because they came after his neck. Yeah, they did, but they also, I mean, they got into it a little bit, but like they didn't respond by arguing you're wrong it was insults. because x y it was you're self-hating you're disgusting i'm ashamed of you whatever like to me that's a red flag that you are not prepared to debate your position if you immediately jump into insults and i think it's it was ryan or whatever he made some arguments eventually but he kind of just parroted the you know safe and effective this is what doctors say meanwhile a bunch of other countries are rapidly walking this back the huge wave of lawsuits has emerged. Like it's a, I don't claim to be an expert on the science or the medicine. I do follow some Same. people who are um, pretty closely, but I will say it is very much an evolving and area of medicine that anyone telling you the science is completely settled on all this stuff is not being intellectually honest. Um, and especially the, as the, the cohorts and the type of people getting these treatments is totally different than it was 20, 30 years ago when some of these studies were done um, or in other countries where the studies were done. So I think it's complicated. I have some concerns about the legislation. I don't support super broad laws. I think I support narrow, narrow laws. Um, I do think, I also, I personally have a hard time squaring. Some states have ages of consent that are lower than 18, which... Hmm. I don't necessarily support, but if it is the law, I think it should probably be the same. So if it's 17 for that, it should be 17 for transition. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I guess that I guess that I, I, I think that there's a role for it, but I, I hate how much it's been caught up in a black and white, left versus right, partisan culture war. And I hate how absolutist and devoid of nuance both sides. I mean, because some people on the right are like anybody who wants to ever treat anyone with this stuff is just basically like, um, who is that evil abortion doctor or whatever, Mengele or whatever. It's like they, yeah, they, yeah. they take such a black and white view of it. You're just butchering children. They don't understand that like these parents are worried about their kids staying alive. They've been told by our doctors that this is what they need. And yet, so I don't like when people on the right vilify the parents who give their kids gender affirming care. I just, I'm, I'm sad the issues become so black and white. And I thought the, the Jubilee clip was a good example of how even in the LGBT community, or maybe especially in the LGBT community, these topics are not up for debate. And if you try, boy, you will get pounced on. It was funny how uh, Miss Denham, because I don't want to use the name, Miss <laughs> Denham said that Mario was um, had internalized homophobia for not supporting this type of treatment, which I thought was ironic because the conversation we just had, he was arguing that I was saying putting LGB and T in the same alphabet creates confusion because we get lumped as the same thing. Yet he just equated not 
supporting transgender care to internalized homophobia. And I was like, oh, that's pretty ironic there, Miss Denham, considering you're, you want to pretend like it doesn't cause any confusion in the brain putting LGB and T together. But yeah, I mean, it, it was insult after insult, and it really just showed their hand on how not only unprepared they were, but how emotionally unprepared they were and how often they aren't challenged on these topics. They, they really were not expecting this type of disagreement from conservatives. And I was shocked. I was, I walked in there expecting, which is why I stayed kind of silent because I'm not an expert on this. So I'm not going to walk on this panel and pretend like I am. So I stayed a little bit silent at the beginning because I assumed they would be full fledged, ready to go on this issue. And they weren't at all. Because it's really like, if you're in a liberal echo chamber, if you're in a liberal bubble, it is just such gospel, safe and effective, safe and effective. All the experts agree that they've never even heard the debate happen. Like I've heard both sides of the debate. I've heard um, smart people argue against banning it. I've heard mm -hmm. smart journalists who've studied medicine for who've reported on medicine for years walk through the different studies and what they do and don't find, what they who they have studied and who they haven't studied. I don't think these people have, especially like like Miss Denham, whose name is Barrett Hall, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> is a TikToker with millions of followers, right? I don't, it, he's not exactly, you know, a cutting edge policy scholar, mm -hmm. even though he thinks everyone else is just misinformed. So <laughs> I, yeah, I guess I wasn't shocked that they didn't have very good arguments, but I thought it was disappointing because it's such a rich topic for debate and it's an important topic, but anytime you just have emotion overpowering it, um, I thought that was interesting. But so I, I, did we, did they show all the fighting of, over that or was there more that got left on the cutting room floor? They showed most of it. Um, I, I mean, there was a little bit more of a break in between when we interrupted, when Amir started yelling at Miss Denham saying like, let him talk, let him talk. I think there was a little bit more interruption that happened because I imagine that was a little bit longer than the five minutes that was shown, five or, or 10 minutes. Um, but I mean, it was pretty accurate as, as to how it was. They didn't cut much out of that. And I, there's a reason why there's a reason why they didn't stop us from arguing because that was really what everybody's talking about. Like that was the golden moment. And despite it being an unproductive debate, I mean, it's I simultaneously media. think it was an unproductive debate that is productive. That is revealing. If you know what I mean? Yeah. At least for our side. For our, <laughs> yes. It's not a yeah. productive debate for at least Mo Ryan and Barrett. I think maybe mm -hmm. some of the other liberal leaning guys got something out of it or, or you know, came off decent, um, but those two did not. So yeah. up next, I wanna talk about the segment where the discussion of our drag shows appropriate for minors came up. And I actually thought this ended up being a more new, I expected people to have black yes or no answers. And I thought this ended up being more nuanced than I expected, and I appreciated that. Take a listen to this clip, folks. Ag shows are too sexual for minors. I think it's important to not put a blanket statement over everything. I was just gonna say um, that. Because I know already when they step forward that we're gonna get the missed fire example, and then it's gonna be like, oh, well, why is that okay for kids and drag is not? Love a good drag show, I frequent them all the time. Most of them are not 
appropriate for children. Most of them, not all, but most of them. There are instances that are circulating on social media that represent a small minority of drag shows where kids are present and then it's over-sexualized, people pleasuring themselves, wearing outfits that are representative of genitalia. For that reason, I would say that drag typically is not appropriate for children. Yeah. Do I think it needs to be legislated? No, because I don't trust the government to legislate it responsibly, but I do trust parents to use their better judgment and know that when something is typically sexual, it most likely will be, so just don't take your kids there. Yeah. We don't say the same thing about pop stars. It's mm. literally the same thing, you know, and I think that it's hyper myopic, zoned in because we are queer. It's an easy way to go after us. I don't think most people that don't like drag shows or angry about drag shows actually care about drag shows or have ever, have ever even been to one. You know, I think when you go, I, you said majority. I've not been to all the drag shows. I can't speak for the majority, but I've been to my fair share in New York and LA, like places where the queens turn out. They put on a show. It is not about being sexual. It's about being smart, funny, witty. They make their costumes. They do their makeup. It is art, it is art entertaining. I don't think they get enough respect for what they do. So you talked briefly about why you don't actually support laws banning, you know, any kids from being at any drag related event. Uh, that's a little bit of a controversial take these days. Explain your thinking. It is. As I said, I was like, uh-oh, I'm going to get some backlash on this one. I mean, as a, I, I guess I would say I am conservative, but really I just favor small government. And I understand the slippery slope of government power. Um, once we start legislating, you know, creativity surrounding it, especially when it has to do with specific groups of people that have previously been legislated against, I don't trust it. But that's not to say that the meaning behind it isn't accurate, which is why I explained, you know, most drag shows are inappropriate for children, in my view. I'm not going to be taking my kids to a drag show because the majority of drag shows that I've gone to are not appropriate. I'm not going to run the risk of that. And I wanted to bring nuance to it to say that that's not to say a drag show that there isn't a drag show that a child could watch and would be fine. But when something is inappropriate the majority of the time, you use your better judgment and say, no, it's not appropriate for kids. I think I've evolved my thinking on this slightly in that when this first became a debate, I associated drag shows with sexual shows completely because every drag show I've ever seen, which to be fair is not that many, it's only a few, has been no. essentially like a strip performance in drag. Like very, right. very explicit. Um, and... I think what I would support, and I've talked about specific state laws that I think go too far or are too broad, laws that say you cannot bring a minor to any sexually inappropriate performance, period, drag or not, right? Like It's just how do you define that, though? You would have to have you very know? specific definitions written out, and that is very hard. Right. But I think this idea that you can't bring a minor to anything involving drag is inconsistent with the idea of parents' rights that conservatives say they believe in. Like a drag queen story hour where a fully clothed person in drag is reading books, not gyrating, they're not half naked, they're just dressed in makeup and the opposite gender's clothes. I don't think I would take my kid to that. I would find it odd. I wouldn't really see a point to it. But it's certainly well within the bounds of what a parent should be free to do in a free country with parents' rights. And you can't simultaneously right. say, parents' rights, parents' rights, but not, not let a drag queen read to your kid. That's illegal. To me, that does seem inconsistent. Now, I don't think – I think there's a case to be made for, for example, 
making bars that have drag shows, 18 and up or whatever, but like just a blanket ban, I agree with you. And I was glad you brought up that nuance because a lot of, I think, right-leaning gay people kind of have a very black and white take on this. Yeah, I mean, it's just hard to define what drag is. So to put any type of blanket ban on it, it's like, what is drag? A man dressing up as a woman? Okay, so we can't take kids to the theater with characters that are with female characters that are played by a man? Or what exactly is that? There's just way too much potential for, you know, the any type of law that's legislated to be misused and abused. So I, I mean, I can't be on board with that. But when I am a parent, and what I advise to other parents is based off of my experience with drag, the performers themselves curate their art off of sex because that's a part, that's a part. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's just like the persona of people who typically do drag. Therefore, when I have kids, I don't think that it will be beneficial to, to bring them to any of their shows, but that's just me. Yeah, no, I agree. I wouldn't do it. I, I, I'm disturbed by a a handful of drag shows I've seen that have minors that are sexually explicit. Like I've seen those videos. I know you've seen those videos. Those I think are disturbing. I think those should definitely be condemned and maybe legally sanctioned. But I think the idea of a blanket ban on anything drag involving kids is inconsistent with freedom. And you don't have to like it, but... Yeah, I mean, if people have a problem with the public indecency, then use the public indecency laws that are already on the books in most states. But I think we're trying to package a solution to something we don't like without thinking of the ramifications of it. Yeah, and if you want to have real autonomy and freedom to parent your kids however you want, you have to respect that for the woke parents. I mean, Mm -hmm. when it comes to chopping off kids' body parts, right? Like, that's maybe... It, but it not, but it's like a very high bar for what you have to meet before you can justify infringes. The same way that I think like religious parents should have extensive freedom to brainwash their kids, but they Absolutely. shouldn't be able to hook them up to an electric chair and shock the gay away. It's like, right. <laughs> it's like if you believe in parents' rights, obviously there is a limit. Like parents cannot do anything they want with or to their kid. But right, yet, yeah. you really have to respect the autonomy to a very high degree if you want it for yourself. So, the last clip I want to roll is the discussion of whether LGBTQ topics should be taught in school, which I found very interesting. Uh, and uh, let's roll this clip. LGBTQ topics should be taught in school. I'm going to sit in the middle. I think age appropriate for sure. Yeah, I exactly. Think it's nuanced. It's age and grade. It that depends on that. But I mean, there's definitely times growing up when I was in the closet in middle school. I'm like, okay, we're, we're taught men and women they get together and then they have a baby, or whatever. Especially like ninth, tenth grade. But like for gay people, something that just, that doesn't exist. We don't like women. So like, what is my experience? I'm not reading it in a book. I'm not seeing it anywhere. I'm having to run to the dark corners of the internet. I'm having to experience all these things that. They shouldn't just be going through. We should be teaching something at least. But and it goes back to the over sexualization thing. It's like when people say are iffy about gay topics being brought up in school. It's like oh the sex, but it's like no, like right, like why can't we learn about wholesome relationships, hold them, or like you know, and just having good credit, like yeah. you know, good making good financial decisions. People of the same, like just things that are so much bigger. Well, yeah, and that's why I originally was hesitant to step forward because there is a fine line. People are talking about the don't say gay bill or the parental rights and education bill in Florida, which was up to. Grade three. It's it's important for kids to know that two Haven't people. Haven't they changed that though? Yes. 
Have they changed it since? It goes up okay, to 12th well then, grade now. Either way, either way. Well, when it was originally up to grade three, that's when I would say I agreed with it, right? Because I don't think that it is a the government's place to teach my future child about sexuality. Now, hear me out, this is why it's a gray area. When teachers open the discussion to young children about sexuality and inherent sexual attraction, it puts them in a position where they could step on the toes of parents. And that's what I don't agree with. I totally understand where you're going with sexuality. I totally understand uh, what you two said, age appropriate. Um, I think when you're talking about sexuality, that's like sex, that's in terms of like sexual education, sex ed. That's literally what they teach in school. So that, right. those I'm types of talks. I'm not for that either, which is what the point I was going to yeah. make. Okay. I don't think, I'm a conservative who favors small government. I don't think it's the government's place to teach anyone's kids about sex. And I know there are kids that may need to learn about it because their parents aren't good parents, but I don't think that exception makes the rule. And with that, that's like with good for you. Yeah. I'm sorry, that's oh, yeah, good no. for you, but in just, in t it's taught. With that's the way fair. the world is moving now and the way that the community is just so open and so expressive, and the child is gonna see regardless. So like he was saying, instead of going to, you know, the dark web or, you know, just looking stuff up on your own and having no guidance, if you're gonna teach somebody or if somebody's gonna learn it, you rather them learn the correct way. So my own thoughts on this, uh, and I think I need to fill out a casting form for Jubilee. I think I, I think <laughs> you I'd should. Honestly, you should. Um, my own thoughts on this are the prompt was vague, but I think LGBT con topics should be taught in school, in high school, <laughs> perhaps. And so it really depends what we're talking about. So, for example, um, I think that the don't say gay law, which is what the critics called it, the pair, the people mm -hmm. who supported it in Florida call it a parental rights bill. It was originally K through three. And I was fine with that, more or less. I was concerned with how vague the law was written. Um, but more, more or less, I was fine with that. There's no need for gender or sexuality instruction in K through three education. That's ridiculous. DeSantis has now extended it to through 12th grade. I do disagree with that. I think 10th, 11th, and 12th graders should be taught about Stonewall in their history class, American history class, when they're going through the 20th century. I don't think you could teach history without it. I think famous books and classic works that include these topics should be allowed to be discussed. Um, yeah, I don't know. So that's my thoughts on it. I, and obviously yours are, are in the clip we just rolled. But to talk us more through your, your feelings on that issue. Well... The, my problem with it is that, first of all, LGBT is a very wide range of things to be saying, oh, these topics should be taught in schools because some of them, yes, some of them, no. My issue with it and why I understand where the, this legislation is coming from is that a lot of times it's taught more as a religion than on a factual basis. Like if you're saying that you blanketly need to affirm any child's gender and affirmation is the way to go, you can be born in the wrong body, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That to me should not be allowed in schools. I don't think that you should be taught based like something that is opposing basic biology. But when it comes to like sexual education, I don't personally agree with sexual education at all. From the public school system, I don't think it's necessary. I don't think the government should be teaching kids about sex unless it's basic biology. Um, and, and when it comes to you know LGB sex, that's taught under uh, the whole purpose of LGB sex is not reproduction. It's not necessarily biology. So I understand why.
people would not want it to be in there. But I think if we're going to be teaching about straight sex, we do have to be teaching about, you know, the existence of gay and lesbian sex too. And how to be safe. And how to be safe. Right. Exactly. But I don't think that sex ed should be in schools, period, which is why I set forward and I said that because I'm not going to change my belief just because of the existence of sex ed now. Yeah, um, honestly, that debate, I feel like, should sex ed be in schools? It feels like a little before my time. Like, I know that was a big debate back in the day. Mm-hmm. So I can't say I've given it a lot of thought. I, le- I My gut instinct is to be pro-sex ed, but I haven't thought it through enough to have a firm take. So I would say this, though. Um, LGBT topics doesn't mean have to mean sex. And I know you know this. But, like, for yeah. example history about the LGBT rights movement is an LGBT topic. Romance, right? Like a book that involves two characters and a romance, but is not sexually explicit at all, has LGBT topics, but doesn't have sex, right? And so, but some of the things they're trying to pass off as LGBT topics are pornographic. I just wrote about Mm -hmm. genderqueer and uh, about... This Uh, book is gay. This book is gay and all boys aren't blue and these other books that they contain the most explicit stuff, the most wildly inappropriate and sexual stuff. And they're in middle schools. And then when people are trying to remove it, they're saying you're trying to ban LGBT topics or LGBT books. And it's like, well, actually, they're sexually explicit. And so I would also distinguish that, that I don't think that type of content should be taught in schools. But I don't think these topics should be completely verboten at the advanced ages. Because you know what? 15, 16, 17, 18-year-olds in school, they know that gay people exist. Many of them and are probably... And a lot of them at, know they are gay. And are out <laughs> about it at school. And they talk yeah. about it. It's like, so to just pretend this isn't a thing or isn't real is kind of silly to me. Like, you can't talk about it in schools. You can't have it in any lessons. I think it is overreach. But I also think they're responding to something valid. They don't want genderqueer or um, this book is gay, which teaches kids how to use adult sex apps and has like guides to guides to eating feces, right? Like, <laughs> I'm, I wish I was making this up. I wish mm. I was making that up. I can. Understand. I actually learned a new word for that from reading one of those books. I didn't know it what before is I it? read that book. Scat. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, gross. <laughs> so. No. I can no. see why people would see stuff mm. like that in schools and be like, we need to ban LGBT topics if that's what they think LGBT topics means. But my whole point is that it doesn't have to mean that. Yeah, it's a response to our inability to have a normal discussion. Like when you see pink news saying, oh, they're banning this LGBT book and it's just straight up. Their anti-porn group is banning LGBT books. It's like, no, they're banning porn. The anti-porn group is banning porn. And that's why we're having this response. So I can't say that it's anybody else's fault besides the people who represent us in media. They're also banning it by not having it in the school library, right? Right. Any parent that wants to get that book for their kid can go on Amazon and it's there the next day. Like I would never support the government actually banning a book, but that's not what we're talking about. So um, I want to also kind of close out on this debate review by checking in with Miss Denham. (laughs) she's been having a time since this debate ended so that was the one voice you heard who was the most i think woke and obnoxious in the debate um i i try not to call names but i'm just being honest um he has posted 
Miss Denham has posted a number of TikToks directly addressing you, calling out Jubilee. So let's discuss some of those and, and, and see just how, how much of a normal one he's having. I'm tired of seeing people with lighter skin tones have opinions on what the world should be like because they don't even realize- Well, isn't that interesting? This video is for educational purposes and not intent to bully or harass anyone. And as always, please remember to save and share as this helps get more eyes and ears on these important conversations. Thank you so much, Love Army. I love how he always puts that in his videos and then proceeds to bully and harass people. It's so uh, the TikTok algorithm doesn't get it taken down. But so he just starts. I do it too. I'm not going to lie. I end my videos. I'm like, I love everybody, blah, blah, blah. Everybody knows I'm lying just so it doesn't get taken and down. He, <laughs> he's using your parody bits that you do and apparently interpreting them seriously. Y'all have been asking me for a while to make a video on that specific person That's and you. a few of the others that are profiled in the <laughs> video that I am stitched with for this. To be quite frank, it didn't feel like I really need to make a video on these people because a lot of people ratio the people that I'm talking about quite frequently. However, the time has come. I'm a part of a middle ground conversation that aired yesterday and myself and the person that you just saw in the beginning of this are both in that. I've now been told that he has gone on to make a video addressing me on his own profile. I have him blocked. He's not safe space. Clarkson. I'm not safe space. Oh no. I'm so sad about it. I'm so sorry. You are Stan. not safe space. Oh my gosh. What is you this can't that toddler? You cannot make this up. I'm not safe space. Oh my god! You're gosh. just a dangerous, dangerous person. God, god forbid I put on a purple wig and make fun of colonizers. I don't... It's not safe space. This is wild. Oh my god. You know what, Clarkson? In all seriousness, you should really pay for the therapy he needs to process the trauma of being in your presence for several hours. I will pay for a new outfit so he doesn't have to keep shopping at the thrift store. But anyways. <laughs> I don't want to hear what he has to say. I don't really care no, what he has to say about stop. me in that video. In my opinion, there is no argument or debate around human identities, period. And I have- Oh my god, that's so- I love when they say period. <laughs> I love how they think they did something by saying period. This is so obnoxious though, and you hear this a lot. There is no debate around human identities uh, or human rights or whatever. So that literally, let, let's take that logic. I identify as a- penguin you right. accept me as a penguin no you must there's no debate about human space. identity like obviously that's an absurd <laughs> thing to say human identity is incredibly complicated and our sense of identity is evolving so of course things are going to be up for debate and also just declaring there... declaring something off no debate doesn't mean there's not a debate it means you're just not engaging yeah. in it the thing is, is there's always a debate about everything. And there has been a debate about human identity since the dawn of time. That's literally philosophy. So, like, what? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't even have anything else to say about him. This is just pure entertainment. <laughs> the, the text on screen is, I hope you heal. Heart emoji directed oh. at you. <laughs> mm. Right after he was like, because, okay, so, you know, see how I get, like, this little rash here? Whenever I get, like, fired up and I talk about politics, I just, I'm white. So, like, I get little, like, rashes or whatever. He went on his story and was, like, saying, oh, I went easy on him in the debate because he started to get a stress rash on his neck, blah, 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 blah. And then he proceeds to ask his followers to buy him a coffee. And I'm like, this dude, I hope you heal, love army. And then he started doxing people who disagreed with him. His own followers. He started posting their family lineage on his story. What? And yes, this was all happening. People were sending it to me. 
And I'm like, okay, love army. Like this doesn't, it sure sounds like an army, but I don't know about the love sounds part. Sounds like a, like, come on. A, a, a hate cult. Yeah. Like what the hell? Like you're making fun of my white skin. It's giving racism. Mm. <laughs> and I have a feeling he will see this. So I want to say this. It's really sad for me to watch someone actively say that they don't believe in things that they know would have helped them as a child because that's not you showing up and being the person you needed to be for your younger self, which is sad. Also, for the record, I took it easy on these people because I knew other people in the conversation were going to point out the hypocrisies that are very present. Ultimately, what this boils down to is that there is no place for hate in this love army and that when we hear any kind of bigotry, we stand against it. If you're new here and believe in equality for all humans, then welcome to the love army. Much love, y'all. Your response. You went easy on me, babe. Like, <laughs> I just, I feel like I, does he not realize people are watching this? He like, he cooked. literally is gaslighting people. Even the, followers he, on TikTok are saying, love you, Barrett, but I don't think you're, you need to work on your debate skills. Like, you weren't really engaging. Like, I went on his TikTok to pull this video and his old right. followers kept saying, like, this wasn't your best, sweetie. Like... <laughs> Right. And even like Jubilee's audience, I've been on the show, like I said in my first response video of him making a video about me, I've been on the show three times. The comment section hates me. Like they literally, people will comment and be like, the minute I see Clarkson's face, I'm not watching this. <laughs> but they all agree with me that like they, the entire comment section is saying how insufferable this specific person's performance was. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, clearly he's embarrassed, really. He's embarrassed that he showed up unprepared for a political debate. But this is what happens when you're an influencer who never gets challenged. So you just parrot talking points. And then you finally have to be in a room with people that makes you uncomfortable. So then you lose. You go cry in your car. And then you try to dox them on social media. So, Ms. Denham also announced that he will be boycotting Jubilee. Even though I doubt they will be inviting him back. Uh, he deleted this TikTok, but I actually got a screen recording to send to you because he has you blocked. So I actually have a copy. So sorry, Miss Denim. Uh, we got you. It lives on. <laughs> I will be boycotting Jubilee, which is the media company that puts on Middle Ground. And I, I hope to encourage you to do the same. This video is not intended to bully or harass anyone. It's for educational purposes as we discuss a big media company. Recently, I took part in a middle ground conversation. And if I had been informed that they were going to use the video that I and other queer people were in to promote a debate between Ben Shapiro and Destiny, I would have never agreed to this. For the record, I like Destiny a lot. I think Destiny does amazing stuff. I just don't think we need to watch two white straight cisgender men debate each other about everyone else's rights to exist especially because Ben Shapiro has platformed himself to a very dangerous place and is making millions As, and millions, wait, millions of dollars on. doing what he then does. Then why did you go on a debate? You're a white, cisgendered, straight man. Or not straight man, gay man. So I just don't Although understand. Like, bisexual. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Um, is he? It was like a 10-second promo at the beginning for another product they're doing. And he's acting outraged that this was put in a video he was in. Like, bro cry harder i mean we can there's something to say about his idea that debate is somehow evil it, it shows that he's very insecure in his points i mean i truly believe that the truth shows itself in debate and that's the only way we can figure it out that's why we debate and i hate that i have to say this but i guess we do have to say this i thought this is something that everybody believed in but shutting down debate only proves that your side cannot win that's all it does it's cowardly so, intellectually cowardly yeah People are, are smart enough to decide what is true and what is not. You give them the debate to do that. 
if you don't give it to them, then you're clearly just trying to manipulate And there's them. an elitism in it. It's like you think people are too stupid to be trusted with being exposed to dangerous, bad ideas. Right. Because they might actually, those little people might actually agree with something that I don't agree with. I know better. I know better. Right. I should just pr yep. pr protect these innocent little rubes from being poisoned by the dangerous words of Ben Shapiro or whatever. Uh, all right, let's protect see what love else. army. Actually, I don't think that he would agree to do this for the $50 that I and the other members were paid. Let me repeat that, $50. So I wanna know how much is Ben Shapiro getting paid to do this? Because that's Jubilee that's paying to do this. The sponsorships that they get paid with. Again, I wanna repeat that I and the other members got paid $50 in the conversation I took part in, which was technically just a reimbursement for gas money. I also wanna make a note that I was told the other people in this flew themselves in. I don't know if that's true or not. In the beginning, I actually really liked Jubilee and the Middle Ground Conversations, but what it has become is not what it used to be. It is a place that they have given extremists that are not based in fact, logic, and science to argue about other people's human rights because of their opinions. There's a lot of other things, transparency-wise, that I'm happy to share. But what this boils down to is that there is no middle ground when it comes to hate. As a Jewish queer person, I will never understand anyone that thinks it's okay to promote any type of hate against anyone else that's not hurting themselves or anyone else. Ultimately, that's why I'm encouraging you to think about doing this as well. If you're new here, welcome to the Love Army where we stand together. Much love, y'all. I love how he says, um, oh my gosh, he says, people were just spewing opinions with no facts and no logic and no science. And it's like, sweetie, the call is coming from inside the house. Right. I'm like, I literally posted you doing exactly what you're saying we were doing throughout the entire. I feel like we came with so much nuance to the conversation. Like the majority, actually, I think all of the conservatives on our side really did. We were open to hearing, you know, their side. The show is quite literally called Middle Ground. Like, I came looking for middle ground. He came looking to hear his points on a bigger microphone. That's all it was. And he's mad that, you know, they weren't good. I don't know. Um, but I, what was it that he said? There was something he said in there about, oh, Ben Shapiro being paid $50. Of course, Ben Shapiro. And of course, Destiny is not only being paid $50 for this debate. It's not middle ground. Like, they're going to be paying them a significant amount of money to do this debate. No shit. They're also so I like don't know why he would stars. assume that. Right. Like, why would he assume that they're only going to get paid $50? Because he puts himself on the same level as Ben Shapiro? Probably. Narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we will leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us again, Clarkson. Uh, and I of hope course. you do another debate soon so we have content. And uh, it is, uh, it's entertaining. Got to give it that. Absolutely. The tea is hot in this one. <laughs> Thank you for having me. All right, guys, that's it for this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, consider leaving a like, comment, let me know your thoughts. Maybe even consider subscribing if you've watched my videos before but haven't subscribed yet. Either way, I hope to see you all again next week.